Memphis News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Episode two, how do you do? Welcome to Eye on the Hawks. Mitch Fick here with Owen Sebring, and uh, this is the one where we're in work clothes. It's a Thursday <laughs> night, so uh, we're working the day jobs right now. The beginning of a uh, interim era, at least for the time being in Iowa City, not the beginning, so to speak, uh, about two weeks in now to Beth Getz taking over as interim AD, Gary Barter retiring on August 1st after 17 years exactly as athletic director in Iowa City. She had her introductory press conference today. You were there, Owen. Mm-hmm. First impressions, uh, obviously, as we talked about uh, during our newscast, a lot on her plate as yeah. she takes over as interim. To be quite frank, I had forgotten that she was an interim <laughs> AD. It, it felt Transparency like... Transparency <laughs> is the name of the game here on uh, Yeah, honestly, when he, when uh, when uh, Matt Weitzel was up there introducing her and he said something about interim, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, she is interim. I mean, it, for some reason in my mind, it feels <laughs> like... I'm set in stone for a few months now and then yeah. Gary not retiring retiring until August. And, and so it's it's felt official for a while and now it's officially official and, and here we go. Officially there. official that she's interim, but for some <laughs> reason it kind of feels like a foregone conclusion that she'll be, you know, definitely in that role for sure. But uh, we'll see down the road. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me was the stuff about the gambling and literally those two words that she mentioned um, early in the presser saying that we're days away. That was my biggest takeaway. The thing that at least stuck out to me the most saying that, um, you know, How's it go? We've submitted all the requested information to the NCAA. Optimistic that we're hopefully days away from getting some feedback initially on what this means for our student athletes who are currently here and have remaining eligibility. So, I mean, that that seems crazy that she would give that short of a like timeline, potentially saying within the ju- next, I would. When I hear days away, I would think within the next week that we'll hear something about potential punishments that'll be levied against them. There's probably a legal debate. Yeah, define days away. <laughs> yeah. What did you mean it's by like that? defining the word few? Is well, few two, six? What? So Big Ten football, at least I know Minnesota, Indiana kicks off two weeks from tonight. They start Thursday night in, in Minneapolis. So I would think for those teams that do get started a little earlier, I'd get 48 hours difference uh, there. But I would think they would want to start. And I'm, there's probably some games next week too, I'd imagine some smaller schools. Yeah, like maybe that. some FCS games. You'd or want to at least get some guidance out there. So yeah, I I think you're right. That timeline days away in this case probably means within the next week or so. And I think last Thursday is when we started getting the the Arlen Bruce and the uh, the Reggie Bracy news and, and everything else out of Ames. So yeah, yeah he, that maybe that would be it. Even her saying that maybe she's saying days away and the long saying that as a long term option. It could be Tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it could be Saturday. Like, who knows? For sure. Uh, so let's listen to Beth Getz. Uh, again, one of the first things she talked about during uh, today's presser, talking about the uh, the state of the gambling investigation and Iowa's place in it. Yeah. Um, on the reinstatement process specifically, um, we have submitted all the requested information to date to the NCA. Um, and we're optimistic that we are just hopefully days away, uh, perhaps, from, from getting some feedback, at least initially, on what that means for our student-athletes who uh, currently are here and have uh, remaining eligibility. There's obviously some additional steps in the process once that decision is rendered, um, but we're optimistic um, that that might happen here uh, in short order as opposed to a few weeks down the road. Once they switched up topics, uh, she was asked again uh, kind of about gambling and just what what the state of NCAA athletics is going to be with the world we live in now. We've heard Kirk Ferentz uh, mention it a number of times during media day last week. The world's changing. This is just the world we live in where it is legal to bet on games. And that's a tough thing to shy people away from if they're a of age 
and B, it's an app on your phone. You can order your dinner and then throw 20 down on, on the Hawks. It's, it's the simplicity of it is what makes it so available and probably so enticing to people that you don't even think about it when it's an app. Uh, she did talk about the, the idea that we do think there's going to be an evaluation of how these rules are applied from the NCAA level, how we educate, how frequently, what that mechanism is. She says she thinks that will be important. And she, she continued to stress as well, and I, we've heard Kirk talk about this, the integrity of the game. That is pinnacle and foremost um, in front of everything. Uh, but she also, again, pointed out the environment that those young men and the women are living in being bombarded with advertisements and all of the online gaming opportunities. I think it was Mike Colas uh, snapped a photo up in the the – uh, box that we were in for for Kinnick Stadium at the media day that had some sort of betting promo up mm. on the wall. It is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough thing to avo- uh, to avert your eyes from, no matter if you're an NCAA student athlete or uh, uh, whoever you may be. So it, it'll be very interesting as this investigation wraps up question mark in the in these days ahead and we, we get some finality to some of these decisions of what the NCAA is going to do more so than just that updated guidance that we got about two and a half three months ago yeah um yeah she echoes some of the things that were good points made by coach Ferentz just that it is an ever-changing world of gambling that we're living in where it's going to be all around us and there's going to be gambling to some degree with a lot of people and so just narrowing in some of the guidelines about how we can maybe adjust some of these rules for these kids. Um, I mean, I think that it was Ferentz that even made the comparison to like marijuana. I mean, just with yeah. the changing rules, uh, league, league, the legality that changes for marijuana that, you know, there are some changes that maybe need to be made there. And so same thing kind of needs to go for gambling here as much as uh, – an, an old school thinker would would want things to be just like zero gambling at all costs, but um, just again with the world we're living in, I mean that just is not tenable anymore. So we'll see what happens there in terms of numbers of games or punishments or anything like that. But the big number people still talking about as Beth Getz takes over is 25, as in points per game, seven (laughs) wins. Those are those stipulations. And that new addendum to Brian Ferentz's contract that was announced back uh, during the BARDA era, so to speak, a few months ago. Uh, She came straight out and said that language is still in the contract, that if those numbers aren't met, contract is going to be terminated, I believe, end of June or end of July, last uh, sometime after the, the 23 campaign. Uh, she spoke a little more just about getting those questions about uh, Brian Ferentz's status. She, he does report to her as the interim athletic director a little bit more about uh, that situation that all of Hawkeye Nation continues to perpetually weigh in on. Is the contract provision still in place, the 25 points per game? It is. Is that still in? Okay. Mm-hmm. So following up off that, if he doesn't hit 25 points per game, are you planning on following that? or? Well, let me lead with this. His goal, and I know because I've sat down with him, I sat down with Kirk, and really the goal of every coach that we have here is to win games, right? Um, and I'm 100% convinced I was going into those conversations, I was going out, uh, that, that their focus is on how do we win football games and how do we develop these young men. Um, and so, you know, as we look at those types of things, just in, like we would in any sport, you, you're going to evaluate a season at the end um, and see how you did. But the goal is to, to win along the way. Um, you know, I, 
won some ugly games as a coach, and I never gave any of them back. Um, but I'm, I'm confident. Um, I know they're excited. I know you all have now had a chance to see that team. Um, we're excited about what they're going to do in the field, and, and we understand it's unique. We understand it's going to be talked about a lot. Um, but it's just not something we're going to be thinking about, um, you know, week in and week out. We're, we're going to cheer for the team, support the program, support our coaches the way we always do, and, you know, we'll evaluate at the end of the season. Something that really stood out to me about her answers about Brian, because she got asked a few times about him, and uh, every question she got today, she was very like open and had you know long answers detailing anything that she that she thought. But the first couple questions she got about Brian were very short. You know, you heard the the first question about the twenty five points, just saying, "Yep, that's Stone Place." She had another question asking about um, his contract will be handled in the same way as Gary. She just said, "That's correct." Brian does now report directly to me. Um, so just really keeping it as brief as humanly possible in some of those questions and until John Steppy came in and, you know, really asked her to detail a little bit more about that contract. Um, and so I, I, they might not be thinking about that 25 points, but since they released that contract stipulation to the public, that still is what a, a lot of fans are going to be thinking about. So the question, and this has been floated out there too, is it a distraction that there's the, – we've even jokingly and maybe halfway seriously talked about – having a little points counter in the corner of one of our graphics here, just talking about it. Do you think the fact that it's staying in there, I wasn't expecting her to immediately come out and be like, oh yeah, that's out of there. Like, I don't think yeah. she would undermine Gary that way. I think yeah. that's, and that's how I, I personally would think it might be viewed of just like, oh yeah, he did that. That was dumb. Get it out of here. Do you think it's an, a distraction that that's still in there? There's just no way that it's not a distraction or at least not on their mind to a certain extent. It's, and it's the Who's same thing when you say that just uh, to uh, Brian, Kirk? Brian, Kirk, the football team in general. I mean, anybody on the offense, I think at least has that in their mind because that contract stipulation has been made so public. It's the same way. And I'd say the same thing for any football team at any level that talks about something that's not being a distraction. That means it's a (laughs) distraction, you know, or at least it's, it's on their mind. When I hear a team that just won a state title last year, say like, Oh, you know, we're not, not really thinking about last year. We're not thinking about that. That's not on our mind. I'm like, Come on. It is to a certain extent. I understand that that's not going to be your focus and what you want to talk about all the time, but it's still hard to just like completely erase that from your memory. You know, you just can't get that out of your head. And so that's why it was so like, as much as I think the fans kind of wanted to maybe hear something like that back in the winter about an updated contract for Brian, it, it you, you do have to sometimes question like, was it the, the best move to release that to the public? Because now that's all that everybody seems to be thinking and talking about with the offense's fall. And it's an easy thing to talk about. I think from a, from a fan and, and consumer and social media poster standpoint, I think that's just an easy thing to, in this dunk on culture, you know what I mean? Of like, Oh, well, we'll just, now we've got an actual number to kind yeah. of base everything around instead of just people tweeting fire Brian, whenever they, feel bad about something connected to black and gold (laughs) literally everything is just in the comments now you've got this number to kind of hang a hat on so to speak i don't i think everybody's totally aware of it Mm -hmm. my i don't think it's a distraction in the sense of like that's all they're thinking like it's this dread this you know death's door knocking behind them of like 25 25 it's gotta be 25 (laughs) i think they're aware of it i also think it's kind of a moot point like if they don't have a good offense and they don't win seven games He's going to be contractually. Yeah. It's going to be over. I also think maybe it's a case of, I'm purely speculating. I know nothing about any of this. Maybe he's already gone after next year. And that maybe that's his internal decision. We've, you know, we've talked about 
John Budmayer, he's now the assistant to the head coach. He's a former OC. He's kind of the reason Cade and Deacon are there. Maybe he's kind of waiting in the wings and Brian has decided, yeah, you know, this has just been, maybe he's sick of handling. I mean, we've, we've heard him talk about this stuff so much and, mm-hmm. um, you know, has asked about upsides and things like that. Maybe, maybe that's the case of just like, listen, why change it? Cause we kind of know what's going to happen after the season anyways. Maybe that's me yeah. purely speculating. I don't think it's that big of a distraction to the team until people bring it up over and over. Yeah. They know the number and it's public and everything, but do I think they're going to be haunted by like we have to run one more play because we need we're only up 21 17 because that was the narrative yeah. that got out i will it impact the game though like if it's you do, know do you i truly was think it will that the people that are like are I'm they not, gonna, i'm not sure though. i don't th- if it's late in the fourth quarter and say it's 21 10 or 13 iowa and we have the ball and it's seven minutes left are we gonna you know you see kirk ferentz sit not not sit, but like run the ball. I always scored two touchdowns in like five minutes against Purdue last year and sat on it for two and a half quarters. You know what I that's mean? What I'm like saying, that's, yeah. Are they going to third quarter? They're going to go for it? Are they going to have Kate throw it around? Been asking for change ever since <laughs> we went spread against Pitt in 2011 to come back and win. I like, mean, as a fan, I would love to see that because I I was you know you know every late fourth quarter touchdown that ch- changes it from like 24 <laughs> to 27 like a field goal or something like yeah. everything's going to get that Bronx cheer. And it's or the first question in the press conference after the game. Yeah. Like if almost every game, if there's a play like that. So I think that's when it becomes a quote unquote distraction is uh-huh. when like people like start, boy, I couldn't help but notice like you did a little score like yeah. that. But otherwise, like, do I think play calling is going to be dictated by we have to hit our magic number? Like, would he, would he start now in year 25 doing stuff like that? I don't think so. <laughs> and even if it is, I'm like, is anybody upset about that? Like, who's, yeah, who's, also, yeah, who's you, upset about them ex- scoring more points? Scored more points. Late Unless we get a turnover team, in a yeah. one-score game, that's the only time yeah, it's going to be like, well, you, you shouldn't have had the contract. You know, you yeah. can see the fans saying that. I think they're going to play football, and I think we all agree, assuming everybody's healthy, like the offense has no place to go but up. So We hope. If if. if We'll, we'll revisit this. Maybe this will get clipped. I don't know what's going to go on. Uh, the other big topic that came up uh, and has certainly been talked about throughout the summer, NIL and the Swarm Collective. A lot of talk about that. They are just brewing as much beer as possible to, to pack into Kinnick now, it sounds like. Uh, Gary Barta very famously, infamously didn't fully embrace the Swarm Collective and was maybe uh, in a wait-and-see mode on NIL. Uh, Beth today talking uh, – right about talking to the folks at Swarm themselves. It's been wonderful uh, to at least start to build a relationship uh, with Brad. I know many of us on our staff had already had an opportunity to do that. Uh, but really, you know, when it comes to name, image, and likeness, it's just a critical, critical piece for our student-athletes um, and our success competitively. No different than uh, the generosity that's coming in through NIL um, gifts and through the Swarm and, and in other ways. It's just as important these days as scholarships and facilities and other operational needs. Um, but really what Brad and his team have done, um, I think, has has really given us a chance to be uh, really successful. Um, And the way that they did it, if you look across the country, many of the other collectives didn't quite have the same uh, success right out of the gate. I think they've been very thoughtful. uh, His team is almost in daily conversation sometimes with ours and has been. Um, But we're just uh, really appreciative of his efforts, of all of those who have chosen to contribute there. Big aspect of uh, college sports right now in general. Um, I think that she knows that coming in, that's going to be a big part of the questions that she receives. It seems like we can't hardly make it through any Kirk Ferentz presser or Fran McCaffrey presser without somebody asking about, so what do you think about NIL? What do you think about the transfer portal? Um, and she knows that that's going to be a huge part of her uh, her future and some of the decisions she's going to have to make going forward. And again, that relationship with 
swarm in NIL and seemingly embracing it immediately, uh, a little separate from what we saw from Gary Barta, who was kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Uh, not the only difference between their backgrounds. Uh, you heard her kind of uh, allude to it earlier, but Beth had a, a pretty darn successful coaching stint uh, back before she got into the administrative side. Barta himself was, a, was an athlete, I believe, at North Dakota State where he was a journalism major. Um, could easily okay. be uh, we, if, if he's in retirement and he wants to be a guest on the pod. Uh, <laughs> come on, Gary, we need the you content. Shoot some Friday night football games for us. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we need uh, <laughs> Eastern, Iowa Eastern, OT. Eastern Iowa OT assistance certainly. Uh, but Beth certainly bringing her own perspective into everything. Let's hear from her uh, talking about just the evolution of college athletics and what she sees from her perspective during her time on the admin side. Athletics needs to evolve. Um, and, and how, what that means for how we share resources with uh, student-athletes um, and what the actual pathway is for, happen, uh, for that to happen is, remains to be seen. Um, but I also believe, and I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive, I think we can provide greater resource, greater revenue opportunities, whether that's within or outside the athletic department, and still embed this experience with the, with the components that make it, uh, that tie it to education um, and make it different than pro sports. Um, student athletes not being paid is not the only thing distinctive about college athletics um, and, and between that and pro sports. That was the one of the big bites you talked about the the days away thing. That was a big line for me. Is being paid does not is not the only separation between collegiate and athletics. I think there's this this narrative out there, and it's been out there for probably longer than you and I have been alive. Of well, once you pay these athletes, like the sanctity, the sanctity of collegiate sports is gone. The tradition of it's gone. Like, it, is it? Yeah, is it? I mean, college sports are have. Have always evolved, um, and that's uh, they're going to continue to evolve. I mean, yeah, there are different ways in which you could point to the sanctity. I mean, somebody in 1950 might have looked back and said, like, oh, they're ruining college football by putting face masks on the helmets. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that have changed over the years that, you know, are, are you know, you could, again, make an argument for good or bad, but um, college sports change over time, and that's just the nature of how it goes. That's so. how it's gone, and certainly there's been talk about as the Big Ten expands, you know, what happens to some of those non-con rivals? rivalry games like there's there's ways to have your cake and eat it too it feels like I, I don't think that's that's out of the question but certainly uh she brings in her her perspective on what needs to happen there and uh also talked a lot about just her journey to Iowa again coming from coming from Ball State she was the AD there for four years for that she was an interim AD at Minnesota during a, a somewhat tumultuous time up there in the Twin Cities for Gopher Athletics uh she's been here now I think she said her first official day was September 30th of last year so she's just about 10 and a half months in and certainly had, had been here a little bit in some capacity uh at Iowa during her time in Minnesota, she actually said she was at Grapple on the Gridiron talking about yeah, that's right. talking about uh, the crossover at Kinnick. She was uh, in town because Minnesota played Iowa that night. Uh, Iowa won that game to go to ten and zero. So she uh, joked a little bit about having having lost some uh, athletic endeavors in mm-hmm. in Iowa. She talked about just the the word she used was uncommon when it came to Hawkeye athletics and the people she emphasized uh, within the community. And over my short time here, I have been just incredibly, incredibly impressed by our student-athletes, our coaches, our staff. Um, We've got an amazing fan base and such a a, a generous group of donors. Um, And I think the combination of their passion, their talents, uh, and their characters, really, it's uncommon. And it's what makes being a Hawkeye so special. And I'm so glad that um, I have an opportunity to be part of that here. Um, 
Well, yeah, there's a lot of changes coming to Iowa athletics, and um, we're in a time where there's so much, uh, so many events, so many big names in the sport, uh, in the athletics world at the University of Iowa. And um, you mentioned earlier the big number that we we're, we focused on today was 25, but I was thinking the big number that stuck out to me was 30,000. Um, wow. That we've already got 30,000 tickets sold to the cross, crossover at Kinnick, which is what is it? Two months away? Is it mid October? October 15th, so a little less than two months. Yeah. yeah. Day um, after the Iowa-Wisconsin game. And so that, I, I like that you pointed out this in the newscast earlier, that that already surpasses the highest attended women's basketball game of all time, which is 29,000. 29.6 and change. That was at the Alamo Dome down in San Antonio, the 2 national title game between UConn and Oklahoma. So the fact that in 48, 54 some hours – since tickets were first available, that they've already had 30,000 people. Yeah. For comparison, uh, Grapple at the Gridiron, Oklahoma State and Iowa back in 2015, that was, I think, 42-2 or something like wow. that. So, okay. I mean, they could sell out Kansas State. that probably. I mean, that's <laughs> two days. They're just starting to get out to the general public. There's been talk of, like, maybe moving the court to, to midfield, you know, because uh-huh. the at Grapple at the Gridiron, the, the wrestling mat was closer to that end zone next to the tunnels and and – just fill that side as much as you can. There's a legitimate chance you might have to change the logistical layout <laughs> of what you were going to do with this game yeah. and open up more. It's, it's it's wild. It's very reminiscent of uh, you and I have been would have gone to probably some basketball games at you and I when they would have played at the at the dome before the, sure. the center was built, and that was always kind of a structural trying to figure out how to do it for certain games. I know the Iowa game against you and I, they would often like take down some of the curtains and really yeah. open it up so they could fill the whole dome if they could. Panther, but. Panthers won, I think that was that 06 game against like Horner and uh, Bruner in that uh, team. I think Iowa was ranked like 12. I was at that game as a fan. That was really? wild. They yeah. stor- stormed the court inside the Unidome. It was a very <laughs> – it, it was a wild team, but that was the only way you could – accommodate the amount of fans that wanted to come. And what's crazy about that, just numbers wise, the dome fits somewhere between 13 and 14,000 people, I think. And so again, just already more than doubled the amount of people that were in the dome for those men's games. You know, we've already got that surpassed by twofold what they're going to see in that women's game. We just need halfway decent weather. (laughs) I think I I remember being at Kinnick and uh, Mike, you were there in, in November 25th. It was a nice day out. It was a little chilly, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it got a little cold during the Minnesota game, <laughs> yeah, but that, the wrestling yeah. me was, I mean, it was sunny. It was perfect. It was like 11 a.m., something like that, wasn't it? it something was. around noon, yeah. yeah. I was tailgating hard, so memory's a little foggy. <laughs> <laughs> Can't condone that. No. It's, <laughs> it is wild. Th- I mean, I, yeah, I mean, pray for good weather. It's just like, that would be just such a shame if that doesn't come to fruition the way that they're uh, wanting it to. I Boy, I, it's so cool to hear Beth point out is basically Lisa Bluter's idea a yeah. couple weeks after the final. I mean, I, her gears don't stop turning. I would love – I Lisa was there today sitting yeah. in on the press conference. She just I was, got back from Europe too, right? Yeah, just 12 hours ago, yeah. she said. Jet lagged um, and sitting so, in on a press. Yeah, she's coming out there. She and Jan were both in there. Sure. I, I wanted to ask Lisa afterwards. She kind of took off right after Beth was done. But I wanted to ask her, okay, is that is that true or is that <laughs> apocryphal that, that you were the one who uh, – this is your brainchild. But that's the way she made it sound is that Lisa came to her after the final floor. Hey, let's try this out. Um, so I don't know if that may be here. That may have been somebody else in the athletic department that like initially started the ball rolling on that. But I'd, I'd be curious if that is indeed Lisa's Lisa's baby. I do hope for the sake of of the fairy tale of it or the mysticism of it <laughs> that it, it wasn't some sort of, you know, ticket office of like, what, what if we put him in Kinnick? Yeah. It, that Lisa comes back after seeing everything she saw in Dallas and that red carpet walk will forever be just yeah. I mean, that's an ultimate Hawkeye moment that she comes back and says, we can take this to Kinnick. <laughs> like for her to ha- just have that vision, you know, you'd love to see her like 
imagine her having that epiphany somewhere in Dallas, like while all this is happening and going, we could fill a football stadium <laughs> yeah. with this team. And, and Caitlin Clark, uh, Beth talked about her a little bit too, of just what an impactful athlete and impactful person. She kept coming back to the, the people and the humanity of so many people within uh, the University of Iowa Athletic Department and the, the community at large being such a big part of why she wanted to come here and then saying that her expectations have been surpassed. So. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's such a fun part about having Beth step into this role as Iowa's first female uh, athletic director is that women's sports, especially at the University of Iowa and in the state of Iowa, are, are on such a big stage right now that it's fun to have her stepping into that. She's, yeah, Dr. Christine Grant obviously was uh, women's athletic when the, the departments were separate, but she has the opportunity to be the first since Dr. Grant and then uh, certainly the first to oversee men's athletics uh, in that interim role right now. But again, as we talked about, uh, certainly the front runner and feels like it's her full-time job to lose and uh, again a lot on her plate and already doing a lot of stuff 16 days into her tenure as interim AD. Beth Getz the first time we've heard from her it certainly will not be the last as we continue to watch her tenure in Iowa City. That is going to do it for this shortened truncated episode of Eye on the Hawks. We'll be back on Sunday getting back into the football stuff. We've got top 25 polls to break down. We've got a few more things to look out from recruiting we've got stuff to look at from uh the football side certainly at the scrimmage as well uh continuing to analyze what we saw there we're getting closer to game day folks so we'll keep talking for you and keep uh thanking you for your support continue to rate and subscribe everything like that and we'll see you on sunday